Welcome to this podcast by City Point Church, Redcliffe. We are so happy you could join us and pray that the following message will encourage and empower you. I'm really pumped to, uh, to preach today. Australia Day is such a, big, it's such a big day to me. I'm quite a patriotic guy and I really believe that God has a word for, for us as individuals but also for us as a nation. And so it's a unique day to have Australia Day fall on a Sunday. And uh, it's a unique moment, and I believe I've got a unique word for today. And before I I get into it, I want to honour a few groups of people, and I make a a habit of doing this. And I I read this this morning. I just got up a bit early to sort of prepare, and and I read this quote. It says, A culture of honour is celebrating who a person is without stumbling over who they're not. I want to just honour, you know, I feel that really is the heart of God yeah. and, and a word in season at the moment. I want to honour two groups of people. I want to honour uh, every man and woman in our country that works to serve our nation, uh, our armed forces, our emergency services, our civil servants. Can we honour those guys? You know, our, you know they, they live their lives to serve us, our pastors. You know, these guys could go and get jobs like the rest of us, but they're here pastoring a church to serve a community. So we honour you guys. You, are, you fall in that, you're in that category. Uh, the, other, the other group of people I want to honour is actually our uh, Indigenous and First Nation brothers and sisters. And I got up this morning and Holy Spirit said to me, you know, uh, long before any Europeans landed on this country, the Holy Spirit was well at work in the hearts and lives of people. And so I really want to honour them. Uh, and so, you know, if you're in that category of people, we want to honour you as well this morning. And, uh, you know, such, such great stewards in our nation of what, of what God created. And, uh, and so it's really just an awesome day and, and we, want to, we want to continue celebrating. We're having a barbecue after church, just an FYI. We're going to baptise some people up at Scarborough Beach. So if you've got nothing planned, you uh, park your cars up there and we're going to have an awesome time, right? Uh, let's pray and then we get into it. Father, I just thank you for the presence of your Holy Spirit in this building this morning. Come on, we thank you for every man, woman and child that's here to hear what you have to say, Lord. And I pray that you would speak to us this morning. I pray that you would encounter us this morning, Lord. Come on, I pray for your direction pray for your wisdom and I pray that you would instill something in us to shift this nation and where we're going. We pray you'd bless this great nation, that you'd favour us and that you'd use us for your purposes in the world. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Uh, (laughs) You know, one of the things I love about our church is that we really are uh, multicultural. Have you you realised that? Just have a look around. You know, look at the person next to you. You know, if, we, if something happened and we sent back all the South Africans, our church attendance would drop by 30%. <laughs> it's so true. I was just trying to think about it, you know. If, we, uh, if, if all of our Filipino brothers and sisters left, there'd be a lot less food at our events. <laughs> you know, if you ever need to put on a few kilos, just go to Michael and Grace's Life Group. It's awesome. Uh, you know, we, we have like one of the largest populations of islanders on, right here on the peninsula. And so if they left, um, you know, the lagoon would be free every weekend. Uh, so, you know, 
It's true, right? It's true. And they, listen, they, these guys know how to party. I was down there a few, oh, a few weeks ago. We actually went at a barbecue. There's a guy there with like a, a, big, like a giant drum, just doing chicken drumsticks. He was there for like, I don't know, I was there for two hours. I come and left and went home. And he's just cooking, just cooking up. I'm like, man, I need you in my church. You know? And so, but one of the things that it is about so many people from other nations is and it's so encouraging for me to, to encounter them every week is they just have a sense that we're so blessed to live in Australia. Have you realized that? And, and we just live in so much blessing in this country that it's really important to, I, I suppose, see it from the viewpoint of other people to go, you know, we are so lucky to live in this beautiful, you know, corner of the world. And yet, at the same time, I'm regularly overcome by the, the reality that there are many challenges that we face. And I believe that we're in this this season where uh, we, we're learning how to live in blessing, okay? And that's, I say that like it's simple, and you would, think, you would think it probably is, but the truth is, if we look at where we are as a nation, and also if we look back through history, we look at the Bible, we realize that doing well in seasons of blessing is actually quite a challenge. And so if you look at our nation, you know, we are, we are so prosperous economically and yet so many people are bound by crippling debt and financial situations that they're, they're anxious and yet we are so blessed. Uh, we, we live with such liberty in this country. I mean, we're so free to do what we please, you know, in our, in our religions, in our relationships, in what we do, in what we get to be involved in. And yet, in so much liberty, uh, we are, I think, maybe have, are more bound by anxiety and, and decisions and mental illness than we probably ever have been. And so we're in this weird uh, in-between season where we are learning how to live in the blessing that God's given us. And I, I really just believe today is a word for us, like I said, as individuals, but also as a people, where God is starting to speak identity back into the nation so that we will learn how to live in blessing we will learn how to live in favor and be involved with what God's actually doing Uh, Abraham Lincoln actually said this he said nearly all men can stand adversity but if you want to test a man's character give him power and I think that's really true of of our country you know we are a nation that has survived so much hardship. Uh, you know, I was having a laugh just recently about the fact that, you know, if you've come to Australia from somewhere else in the world, you have to accept the fact that uh, most things over here want to kill you. Uh, you know, it's true. Like, you know, like look at our, our natural flora and fauna. Uh, half of it is dangerous. And I grew up in southeast Queensland where if there was ever a body of water, you would swim in it, right? Like if it's, you go to the beach, you swim. You go to the river, you swim. You go to a waterhole, you swim. Uh, if you go to Cairns and follow the same practice, you will get eaten by our local <laughs> flora and fauna. Okay, right? Crocodiles are going to eat you. And if you don't think that's... If you've never experienced that before, you need to go there, right? Like you drive, you're driving out of the airport and there's like a channel that... When you're driving out of the Cairns airport, like you drive over these little bridges in the channels and there's these big signs of a crocodile like trying to eat something. And it's like, don't swim in the rivers. Yeah. And that's the reality of, of, our, of our country is that we survive through hardship. And not only do we survive through hardship, we actually bring great breakthrough in areas that need breakthrough. And I really believe that God is restoring that 
to us as individuals, but also as, as a country, that not only can we survive hardship, but we can also bring breakthrough in areas where there are breakthrough. And so this morning, I actually believe that uh, God is going to give people answers to problems in other areas of the world. He's going to, you know, for our politicians, uh, for our civil servants, not only is he going to give us answers for our country, he's going to give us answers to the nations of the world. He's going to give people economic solutions that we're not just facing here, but they're being faced in other areas of the world. You know, the, the word of God in the Old Testament was always spearheaded by worship. And what's the one thing out of our movement that has been so successful internationally is actually our worship. And so I believe that God is uh, giving abilities and talents and prophetic insight to our creative team that will go and start to minister the word of God uh, right around the world in nations that haven't even heard of us. They're going to hear the worship and the spirit of the word of God. And I believe for church growth, I just believe that Australia is going to be a land that sends out church planners. And if you, if you don't think, if you never thought about this before, there's a bunch of guys like, you know, Hillsong that have planted churches all around the world. You know, they didn't just plant churches in Brisbane. They're all around the world in places that the locals never thought to plant a church. And someone called Brian Houston said, I think we'll put one there. <laughs> and so I believe there's this anointing on our nation to go and pursue the heart of God around the world. Not just here, but around the world. And I really believe that God's going to give people in this room wisdom and insight and favor to be on board what God is doing. But we need to live... Uh, in a way that honours God in blessing. I think one of the most important things that we can do as believers is be vigilant. Sorry, we need to be vigilant so that one answer to prayer doesn't limit our dependency on seeing God move. And, and that's the key, I suppose, to living in a way that honors what God has done and yet follows what he wants to do is that every answer to prayer doesn't limit our dependency on seeing God move it doesn't limit our dependency on the word that he speaks and on what he's doing but every answer to prayer is one step closer to where God's taken us and so this morning I just pray that right now if you're in a place of hardship I believe the Holy Spirit is anointing you to be able to walk through that well and he's anointing you in a season of breakthrough. And for those that have experienced breakthrough this morning, I believe the Holy Spirit is going to keep you in connection with him so that your breakthrough doesn't take away your dependency on the word of God because we are moving in a direction as a people and as a nation to see the kingdom established. Uh, I want to take a look at one particular passage. And, you know, if you study the Bible, if you just don't just read it, but if you study the Bible you'll find that people have found themselves in this exact situation uh, for a long time. Uh, the, the nation of Israel, if you can think of the story of Exodus, they were in this position where they were captives in Egypt for hundreds of years. Uh, God frees them, and yet when they start to walk in the direction where God wants to take them, they see a vision of the promised land. Remember the story where they send the spies into the promised land? And then they come back and they go, look, we, we can't overthrow these people because they're giants in our eyes. And so God had a vision of where he wanted to take them, but they lost sight of the vision and they, in the breakthrough that God had given them, they weren't able to actually progress because of the blessing that God had already given them, right? I think of the, the early church, 
You know, they, they just experienced it. I mean, think about it. These guys have just experienced years of living with Jesus Christ in the flesh and had experienced a whole measure of breakthrough in areas that you would think would just be profound. You know, they'd seen the sick healed, they'd seen the dead raised, they'd seen all these encounters of people meeting with God and yet Jesus is killed, he comes back to life, he ascends to heaven, he commissions the disciples, right, to minister the gospel into all the world and yet they get stuck in Jerusalem and become persecuted because even though they live in a measure of blessing, they were unable to attach themselves to the vision of where God was taking them. And so the situation that we're in right now isn't something new and it's something that we find right through the Bible. And I want to take a look at one passage out of Acts chapter 1 uh, where this transition, this, this point of decision is, is, is upon the disciples. And so from Acts chapter 1 verse 4, it says, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons which a father has put in his own authority. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from, from you into heaven will soon come in like manner as you saw him going into heaven. Okay, so this is the picture. The, the disciples have just spent years with Jesus. He's been killed. A few days later, he comes back to life and he's in the process of commissioning these apostles. Okay, and they come to him with this question saying, is now the time that you're going to establish your kingdom? And this is an important junction in the story, and I'll explain why. These apostles that had hundreds of years of prophetic words saying that a saviour is coming, a messiah is coming, and he's going to restore the kingdom of Israel. And in their, in their minds, they were picturing a, a military conqueror, Okay? They were actually expecting someone to turn up that was an heir to King David that was going to liberate the nation of Israel and establish the kingdom just like it was back in the Old Testament. That's actually what they were waiting for. And so Jesus turns up and he starts healing people. He starts raising people from the dead. People start being liberated. People start being healed. And there's this tension between is this the saviour or is it, is it not? And so many people we find in the Gospels uh, struggle with this concept because they're expecting a guy to ride in on a horse and, you know, slay all the Romans and establish the kingdom of Israel again. And so I kind of feel for the, for the apostles sometimes. It gives me great comfort when I read things like this to think that they'd been around him for so long and yet still kind of failed to, to follow where Jesus was tracking. And uh, they're like, that 
Jesus is, you know, Jesus is the man, he's the king, and then all of a sudden he gets killed. They, they must have been gutted. Like they'd given up their whole lives to go and pursue Jesus. And then all of a sudden he's gone. And these guys would have been like, like they're just completely unknown territory. And then all of a sudden, a few days later, he comes back to life. And they're shocked. Like they're absolutely shocked. And so they've gone through this, this journey, this process. And now Jesus is commissioning them, right, to go and preach the gospel into the nations. And they're like, is this the time you're going to establish the kingdom? And there's this issue where they, they understood the word, but they didn't understand the timing. Okay, they understood where God wanted to do, but their vision was wrapped around the timeline they thought he had in mind, and they missed what God was doing. And then it goes on to say that Jesus ascended to heaven, and two angels turned up, this is an awesome story by the way, and said, hey, uh, he's gone, but you've seen him go the same way that he's coming back, so now be about Jesus' work. And I feel like for where we are as a nation, this is a really important passage to understand that you know Jesus came and empowered us right with the power of the holy spirit to go and establish the kingdom and then he left but we need to understand that he's coming back right we we cannot understand the gospel without looking at it from God's point of view which is from beginning to end and understand in the same way that he left he's going to come back and so i believe that we are at a junction point in a nation where we will need to decide if we are going to get consumed by the blessing that we live in as a country and as individuals or if we are going to make a decision to pursue the things of God and pursue the vision that God has for this great nation. And so we are at a, we are at a turning point. We are, we are at a, an intersection. And I believe this morning is an opportunity, or it's an invitation for each one of us to get on board with what God is doing. And so, just to, I don't want to do a, a full history lesson, but like I said, I'm, I'm kind of a patriotic sort of guy. Uh, and we have a heritage of being a nation that not only endures hardship, but also breaks through into the blessing of God. Did you know, just a, just a quick lesson for you. Did you know that Jerusalem, uh, one of the centers of the entire you know, gospel story, right? This city in, in Israel was held captive for about 900 years up until 1917. And do you know who turned up and liberated the city of Jerusalem? Bunch of Aussies, bunch of Anzacs on horse with a few British guys in 1917 turned up and liberated the nation, right? The city of Jerusalem. And just think about this. God could have picked anyone he wanted, if you think about it, God could have picked any nation to be involved at that point in that conflict at that time of history and yet God arranged it so that a bunch of Aussies, right, European and indigenous, rocked up on horses on the other side of the world which was completely unconventional. These guys actually had been told by the British, don't ride your horses into battle. Now, like, I've got a great idea. We're going to ride our horses into battle. <laughs> Okay, And this is the legacy, this is one, just one point, just one story. This is the legacy of our nation, that God would use a tiny fledgling group on the wrong side of the planet to turn up on horses and liberate the holy city of Jerusalem in 1917, after a thousand years. 
And sometimes we can just think incorrectly that we're on the wrong side of the world and you know God's going to impact the nations through other places but God wants to impact the nations through us and so we are at a turning point where our nation is blessed and yet faces many challenges and I believe that God is beginning to move in the hearts of people and there's a decision now to follow the call of God and get on board with what he's doing and I believe that the Holy Spirit is at work to do something powerful in our church and in the church in Australia that will not only impact us, but to impact the nations of the world. And so I want to look at one particular passage this morning where the nation of Israel found themselves uh, in this situation, in this predicament. And the passage is Joel chapter 2. And just to give it some context, uh, Joel is a prophet. And in this passage, he's, he's prophesying the word of God at a time where... The, the nation of Israel has lost their leaders, they don't have direction, and they're facing significant hardship. And Joel, in chapter 2 from verse 12, uh, gets up and he prophesies this. Now therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. So rend your heart, which means to tear. So tear your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and he relents from doing harm. Who knows if he'll turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion, consecrate a fast, call a sacred assembly. Sounds a bit like church. Gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children and the nursing babes, let the bridegroom go out from his chamber and the bride from her dressing room, let the priests who minister to the Lord Weep between the porch and the altar and let them say, Spare your people, O Lord, and do not give your heritage to reproach. And so here's Joel prophesying the word of God to a nation that is at a, an intersection, a point of decision. And I've just got three points this morning that I've taken out of this passage that if we are to be people in a nation that will answer the call that we need to be on board with what God's doing. I have three, uh, three points this morning in, in practical ways that you can do that. Uh, number one, I've called heart issues. Okay? In, in, in verse 12, it says this, Now therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, so rend or tear your heart and not your garments. You know, God's primary thought for you this morning is the condition of your heart. It's the condition of your heart. It's not your bank account. It's not your social status. It's not your relationship status. It's your heart. And if we are going to be on board with pursuing the vision that God has for our lives, if you want to be on board with pursuing the vision that God has for your life, you need to monitor your heart issues. You need to be disciplined in keeping a hold of what God is doing in your heart. And, and for our society, this is quite foreign, okay? For our society, we want to look at things from the, from the outward direction. We want to look at things and go, this person's successful or this person's not successful. They just want to look at it from the outside and yet God's looking at your heart. And so if we are going to be a people that pursue the things of God, 
we need to be people that monitor what's going on in our heart. You know, the Bible actually says that sin is committed not when you murder, but when you hate with someone in your heart. And that's a really, that's a really convicting word because the word looks at it and you don't get convicted of hate, you get convicted of murder. Like you don't go to, you don't go to court and get convicted of hating, you get convicted of murder. But yet God's looking at the condition of your heart. And so if we are going to be people that pursue the heart of God, yes. we need to be a group of people to go, I'm going to monitor what's going on in here. I got a fence in my heart, I need to sort it out. I got issues in my heart, I got insecurities in here, I need to sort it out. Because God's not looking at how big you are, how influential you are, how much money you got. He's looking to here and he's saying, can I trust this person with the vision that I've, given, that I've got for him? Can I trust this person with the power of the Holy Spirit because the condition of your heart determines the measure of godliness that you are going to be able to handle. And so number one, we need to monitor our heart issues. Uh, Number two, we need to remember that God is merciful. And out of all the history that we've had, I think this is a situation that is most pertinent to us right now. You know, from verse 13 it says, Return to the Lord your God. This is Joel prophesying. He says, he's, he's urging the people, return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and he relents from doing harm. Now, this might seem pretty basic, you know, God's merciful, but the truth is there's a lot of religious people in our nation that have never experienced that. What they've experienced is that God is judgmental, uh, God is angry, you know, God doesn't have a plan for me, God wants to punish me. That, that this is, religion will dictate that type of concept to the world. But the truth is, God's merciful, right? That he's kind, that he relents from doing harm. And if we're going to be a people that pursue the things of God, we need to be the believers that stand up and go, God, we know you have a plan for us. We know that plenty have abandoned the plan, but you're the God that forgives. You're the God that forgives. You know, we, we've been through a lot as a, as a country in the last six weeks. There's actually been a lot happening. And yet, every now and then, you kind of get a whisper of someone going, well, you know, God's judging the nation. And I tend to agree with them. I believe God is judging the nation. But I'll tell you the judgment he wants to deliver. The judgment he wants to deliver is that you're forgiven. You're holy. You're righteous. And he is waiting for, come on, he's waiting for a group of people that will stand up and go, I'm going to deliver the judgment of God. You're forgiven. You're healed. You're restored. You're set free because he's a God that loves you. He's a God that has a plan for you and He's a God that relents from doing harm. And so if we are going to be on board with God's vision for this nation, we need to be a group of people that will stand up and go, I call the judgment of God on this nation and I release His favour and His mercy and His kindness and His forgiveness. And And that is one of the mindsets that we need to create in order to see what God is doing. And number three, I like to just call the call. The call. In verse 15, it starts out with Joel saying this, blow the trumpet in Zion, 
consecrate a fast, call a sacred assembly, gather the people and sanctify the congregation. And that's what I believe is the word for today. If you forget everything else I've said, today is the day where God is calling His people back to Him. And if there's one thing that you can leave here with this morning for when you go and plan tomorrow, it's will you respond to the call that God is issuing? A lot of people have good intentions. A lot of people have great plans, but God's looking for people that will do something. And so Joel didn't prophesy, hey, just uh, have good thoughts. You know, why don't we make a plan? Why don't we just think about what God's intentions are? He said, no, 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 no. Call a fast. Blow the trumpet. Gather the people. Sanctify the congregation. And so tomorrow morning, when you get up to start your week or celebrate your day, if we want to be a people on board with what God's doing, we need to be a group of people that are willing to do something about it. So whatever that looks like for you, I encourage you to do it. Whether it, maybe you need to get up early and just pray. Maybe you need to call someone up tonight and, and ask for forgiveness. Maybe you need to go, you know what, well, I'm gonna I'm so hungry for something of God, I'm gonna fast for the next week. I'm gonna fast for the next day. I'm gonna do a royal fast and fast all night. I love that one. <laughs> but whatever you need to do to encounter more of God, would you do it today? Whatever you need to change in your life to experience more of God in your life, will you do it today? Don't put it off for another day. Don't put it off for another week. Don't put it off to your, your New Year's resolution in 2021. God's in the business of restoring the nation. He's inviting you to be involved and He's calling you saying, will you leave this place and answer the call, pursue holiness and go and establish the kingdom in someone else's life? And so I, <laughs> I, I prophesy that as people answer the call to God, that He is releasing ideas, He's releasing wisdom and prophetic insight to answer the challenges in our nation and in the nations of the world. And I declare it in Jesus' name. Come on. Thank you for listening. We pray that this message empowers you to unmistakably influence your world for good and for God. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. This is the beginning of a life-changing journey. We would love to see you at one of our many City Point Church services across Brisbane and the world this Sunday. You can find out more about our service times and locations at citypointchurch.com. We're so excited to see you there.